What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson, joining me again in the host spotlight. I haven't seen him in some time. Uh, he goes by the name of Mark Francis. What is up? Mark, how you doing, my guy? I'm getting used to saying the words, what is up? Because every know. now and then, if I'm on this You've podcast, been getting better. I, I sit in that seat, and, yeah. and, and I'm excited to be over here in the yeah. color commentator seat. Just awesome. to kind of, you and, you don't, and you don't mind Caleb taking your lines? Oh, I take his lines. He takes you know, lines. Let's, let's get me. it straight. We'll, we'll, we'll get it straight. Absolutely. You've heard him already. He's back with us, uh, Pastor John Morrison in the pulpit this weekend. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank good, you. Good, good to see you guys. Yes, thank you for being here. Guys, let's jump into a, a Sunday in review. A lot to unpack. We were in Luke chapter 6. Uh, John, you titled it, uh, One Forgiven Much Will Love Much, and we'll kind of unpack uh, some things that, that came up this weekend. But Mark, I'm going to come your way first, and we'll see, uh, see where the Lord I'll takes I'll correct us. you right away. Okay. We're in Luke 7. What did I say? 6. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Luke 7. Right? I'm looking right at it. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Now, I, um, I'm excited that, John, you're doing these three sermons in a row, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and how... Mm-hmm the stories are starting to show some parallels. Mm. You know, I feel like that there is two or three weeks where we just were bashing disciples of what were the disciples <laughs> doing? Why do they not yeah. get it? And yeah. here we are, what I took away from this week is is how we see Jesus and his character mm-hmm. um, of showing love and grace on one hand, but then also looking to kind of correct people or show his yeah. his justice yeah. in one way. You yeah. know, you look back at the prodigal son and the three characters of the story, and then the father, the prodigal, and the brother. Yeah. You know, the brother was really the symbol of the Pharisees of the mm-hmm. day. Of, and, mm-hmm. and we see something similar here in mm-hmm. the story of Jesus reclining at a table and having a sinful woman wash his feet. Mm-hmm. And here we are looking at Pharisees who invited mm-hmm. him to dinner, who he's graciously rebuking in a loving way mm-hmm. and and i'm it makes me just see how we fall short as people yeah. and yeah. cannot follow christ's example without the guidance of the holy spirit but how still jesus it just has a incredible way to show love and grace mm-hmm. to a sinful woman without rebuking her mm-hmm. but still acknowledging her mm-hmm. and saying yes your sins have been forgiven and then showing love and grace to Pharisees and still pointing out their flaws at the same time. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and so how I fall short myself personally, I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to show more love to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I need to find ways to uh, to point people and call people to truth in a loving way when needed. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. so those parallels of one week to another, that's what has struck me. I think that's a great pickup. I think it's a great pickup because really the two things that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, his justice and his mercy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in the Bible, you'll find those two things paired together frequently, Old and New Testament. Um, for example, John 1.14, where it says of Jesus that uh, we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and full of truth. Mm. And you look at uh, something like Micah 6.8, uh, what does God require of you, O man, but that you do justice, you love kindness, mm-hmm. you walk humbly with your God. Right. And the justice and the kindness is the exact same thing. You'll see them paired together often, this uh, um, what I've called a vertical attribute of truth and holiness and righteousness, which is very important to God, but at the same time, this what I've called a horizontal attribute of his approachability, Hmm. his mercy, his love, his grace. 
and and I think they're on uh, great display mm. here in this passage. Yeah, I, it's part of why it's fresh in my mind too. I was chatting with both my sons separately this past week, and one of them is in college, and he was explaining, you know, how there is a Bible study that he knew about of girls that were at at school and campus, and that there was a rift, and and he he didn't err on one side because there was a girls' Bible study, but without getting to too many details, what I came to conclude was that they were debating. A certain topic in mm-hmm. the Bible, mm-hmm. and and a couple of people were erring mm-hmm. on the side of just just the black and white. Here's this is what you have to do and how you have to act and how you yep. have to be as a Christian. And the other side of people were trying to say we can show love and we can show tolerance, mm. and they never came to a conclusion, mm. uh, and they ended up kind of splitting up, and they're not exactly friends anymore. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how can we how can I learn to do a better job mm. of mm-hmm. approaching, you know, scripture in a gracious and loving way yep. that it, it's not divisive. And college is a four-year simulation where that comes head to head. A lot of ideas coming together like that, but to learn how to fight well, which is even a, a, yeah. a biblical counseling yeah. concept I heard in my mentorship yeah. of how do we engage and not let division win the day. Yeah. It's tricky. The truth? And, and that's the truth. So this story um, in Luke seven could have easily been divisive. I mean, it could yeah. have blown mm-hmm. up the whole dinner party. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Jesus did it in such a way that still pointed people mm-hmm. to who He is and who God is, mm-hmm. um, and full of love and grace. And and so that's that's my encouragement yeah. and challenge. How man, that's how a, can gr- I do that's a great picture. That? I think there's sometimes really it, we we do well when we see a picture in the scripture. And, that, and we can paint it like you're painting it, because I think sometimes the pictures remain in our mind longer. Um, hmm. and, and I guess what I think about when I think in terms of exactly what you brought up, this truth and grace thing of Jesus, is um, I was probably 30 years old before it ever occurred to me that Christians can be Pharisees. Because I think I had always thought of them in a very technical way of, well, that's a Jewish leader who held certain traditions and held certain uh, teachings, and that's what, and they were welcomed into the Pharisees. And I think I just looked at it that way. So I always thought of Christians as something other than Pharisees. Mm-hmm. But what this story tells me is, first of all, that my God is so gracious that he takes the worst of any of us in our sin and offers life to us because of what he did for us, and that as a person sees their sin and recognizes that they really deserve judgment, but instead they receive his mercy, uh, they can be made an entirely new person, given an entirely new life, an eternal life. And and so on the one hand, that story is just so obvious in this story. Mm -hmm. This woman is certainly enjoying that. But then the other story, uh, the one that I don't think I really recognize that we need in the church uh, is that once we come to know a truth, even the truth of the Savior, we can end up copying these same attitudes that the Pharisees do, where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, what's the matter with you? How could you not believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as if you're mad at somebody for not trusting Christ when you realize, wait a minute, mm-hmm. they need the Holy Spirit to mm-hmm. open their eyes and they need to be able to see this, but for you to find fault, or or if they are a Christian but they've sinned and you and you find yourself uh, resenting them and being hostile to them, a passage like this not only tells the person who never knew Christ that forgiveness is available to me, uh, that, that, that his love is greater than all my sin, but it also tells the rest of us who have already received that gift, don't get on your high horse home. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you're... you're 
you you got far more uh, sin that needs forgiving than you tend to think. And yeah, so I just think that's so cool mm-hmm. how he reaches to the believer and to the unbeliever at the very same time. Because I'll find myself in the judgmental cat- mm-hmm. category. You know, just club. of being not high horse, but close to it. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and you can look at that in life, and, but then when you look at it in Christian circles, it's very easy to do that, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to look. And I know you and Alicia and Ben talked about that last week on the episode. Um, and 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 I love John how over the years you've mentored me, or just in, in how we talk and interact with each other, mm-hmm. and how you've pointed um, us to look at forgiveness and and how to display that mm. in a way that's not judgmentalism mm. and how judgmentalism is really something that is about myself yeah and i remember mm. and so if you didn't listen go to the episode last week we don't need to get into it too much today but that right. that component of looking to yourself yeah turns into judgmentalism mm-hmm. and and how that's so easy we can fall into that trap yeah. when maintaining humility is is a learned practice and a daily reminder yeah. fellowship with the lord kind of thing one of the things that's been so cool for me in my own leadership development here is i've watched these pastors in in meetings or in conversations where i'm recognizing something unbiblical is being said by some party mm-hmm. and i know they recognize it as well mm-hmm. but there's still an active listening and a patience and instead of a immediately you're wrong well, we really feel like we need to be patient with mark you know <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm so glad he's not here too it's just the icing on yes. the cake yeah exactly. uh, but it's like i love learning about the bible and i love being mentored by so many of these cool awesome people learning something new and if i'm not careful i'm ready to immediately engage and correct anybody who is mm-hmm, anti mm-hmm, that truth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a level of rapport and relationship and a fostering of allowing them to reach that conclusion the same way I was fostered. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't sat down and berated in a mentorship, and here's the truth. It was experiential. It was over time, and, and I continue to to do that. And when um, I think of, after, we, I, after I finished preaching, the, the thing that stood out after the third time through the message uh, and it going through me, um, I, as I walked away Sunday afternoon, I was overwhelmed with her humility. I mean, mm-hmm. even though it's obvious to everybody, I guess, it it um, it grabbed me because her gratitude is obvious, her love is uh, obvious, her worship, but all of that is rooted in this humility that's shown by her being down on her face at at mm-hmm. his feet. And it reminds me of uh, one of the last verses in the uh, book of Isaiah, uh, one of my one of my very favorite verses, uh, Isaiah chapter sixty six. Um, it says uh, in verse one and two, "Thus says the Lord." Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? Where is a place that I may rest? So he's establishing his holy otherness, hmm. the fact that he's beyond us completely. Uh, and then look at what he says in verse 2, and I feel like this woman is such a great example hmm. of this. For my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him or her who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Mm. That's who he notices. Mm. That's mm. who he prizes. Mm. She's a great example of that. Yeah, we can think of Pharisees also uh, uh, kind of being that proud, haughty crowd, and we can lump them into that generalization. But somebody at our community group last night was like, but maybe not all of them were like that. Right. You know? Right. And so how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees 
in each specific instance, you can see how he showed love, and sometimes, yep. then other times, he was showing, okay, yep. you know, let's come down on him hard and call him brood of vipers. Yeah. But you know, there's a component to where maybe we are thinking that Pharisees are just all negative. Yeah. But you look at this story also and how Jesus graciously confronted the Pharisee and said, you didn't greet me properly. You know, and, yeah. but he, he didn't condemn, but he was just pointing it out. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of the story, when he forgives the sins of the woman, people amongst themselves saying, well, who is this Jesus that can forgive sins? You know, and it, you might think of that as a negative statement. Right, right. But it's really more of a positive of like, they're starting to question, okay, mm-hmm. is he something beyond just a man, just a mm-hmm. prophet? Is mm-hmm. he the son of God? And I, I think there's probably a handful of Pharisees who probably were questioning and pondering it. So I appreciated your part of the sermon early on, John, where you mentioned, we don't really know this Pharisee. Mm-hmm. He might have thought this. He might have thought that. Mm-hmm. He might have been questioning, is he a prophet? He, or he might have been really trying to attack Jesus. We don't know the motivation. And so there's there's a component where they're all people, and Jesus saw the Pharisees as people, mm-hmm. and he treated them appropriately in that time and place. Mm-hmm. And so for us to take away like that too, you know, we <laughs> we can't just always assume that somebody's a Pharisee. You know, yeah. how can we treat them the way Jesus treated them? Yeah. And, and that that was another kind of interesting statement from one of our community group members last mm-hmm. night to mm-hmm. kind of correct us graciously to say mm-hmm. they're not all evil, mm-hmm. nasty people who <laughs> who we kind of put into this bucket, you know, mm-hmm. based off of how they interacted in the in scriptures. Mm-hmm. Jesus handled them all differently. Mm-hmm. So. One thing I appreciate about this Jesus encounter is it's it's messy and awkward. And you can imagine yeah. being there and feeling the like, oh my yeah. goodness in the yeah. room. But sometimes that those are God moments. And yeah. I, I think, especially in vocational ministry, I, there's a desire to be polished and have it be a perfect, yes. clean, yes. successful, yeah. godly interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But Christ meets us in these, what mm. in the world is going on, right? That road from crisis to Christ is is very short, but we elongate it when we think that God must not be at work. Yeah. Things aren't aren't smooth, aren't right. Yeah. There, there, there's a social construct being broken yes. here, yes. Yes. and so that was that hit me hard. Of just like, man, this is God is using this moment for fruit. And if I look at my own life and there was something going on this awkward, yeah. I'd be like, God might not even be in this at all. That, right, that would right. be a, I could fall victim to that. Yeah, mm. yeah, and yet. What's why that's such an important truth is not just in terms of our ministry to one another, but in something like our parenting, because mm-hmm. the same thing I see a lot of times where parents, because of a mess that goes around, they either get angry with their spouse or they get angry with themselves or they get despairing or they get angry with their kids mm-hmm. instead of realizing, wait a minute, God's been moving me along and he's used awkward moments. Mm-hmm. He He's used... Um, things that were not clean along the way to show his holiness, to mm. show his mm. grace, and to wow. show my need for him. So I yeah. think that's a wow. that's a great point. Uh, this would be an uncomfortable meal to be part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do have a couple of questions, one for me personally, yeah. and then another from our community group. So the okay. first one is when you look at the Jesus Storybook Bible, yeah. and you see almost the two different stories merged, it's very interesting that... I'm, I'm assuming the writer knew that she was doing that. Yeah. But why she did that, I'm not sure. But what made you choose this Luke 7 passage as opposed to the other one where the video really ended in the other story of that they were preparing for his death and, yes. were, and hmm. the, the Pharisees and other people were looking to get Jesus? That's a great question. So what made you choose this I mean, that's, this that's passage? a really very attentive kind of a question. The main thing was that this story was so wrapped around the sinful woman 
Uh, the sinful woman is what made this story, in my mind. It wasn't the anointing that made this story. It was the sinful woman, in my mind, that made the story. <laughs> and in the case of the one that happened um, in, in the other gospel records, um, the, the, the whole focus is on anointing him as the, the king who's getting ready to die for his subjects. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a uh, it's kind of a messianic fulfillment of anointing him as king, and yet at the same time realizing that all the messianic prophecies acknowledge him both as king and as suffering, um, the the suffering servant, if you will. So, uh, hmm. if if you had gone there, that would have had to be the whole focus. Uh, also, the fact that, like we were talking about earlier, two out of the three gospels that mention that particular one, the anointing, focus on the anointing on his head. This one clearly focuses on anointing his feet. And and uh, you pointed out that it's kind of weird. John, even though John is recounting that later story, actually focuses on the feet, which could be another So that's topic. my second question oh, okay. from the community group. You okay. know, we, we got into the other stories okay. and kind of dove into Matthew and Mark and John and tried to compare. And so the question that came out was the book of John in that similar story said that Jesus washed the feet, yeah. or the, the woman washed Jesus' feet, and the other two said they anointed with his on his head. Yes. So we can come to that next, but stay with this one yeah, of why would I focus? Yeah. The main reason I focused on this was this was a focus on uh, that that Jesus is being he's being looked at by a Pharisee as. Surely he can't be a prophet because look at what he's allowing to happen. Hmm. And the focus is on this very sinful woman and her great gratitude. Um, and and that was all embodied within the Jesus storybook story. Well, that doesn't really fit the Bethany story, the later story. And hmm. so to me, it would have required a lot more of a leap. Um, this one... Um, it, this one told everything in the Luke account and added a few things from the other account. Uh, you know, things like uh, uh, how the aroma filled the house. Well, that's in John that it says that. Um, it doesn't say that in the Luke passage. Um, and John, with the exception of the anointing of the um, feet rather than the head, which I had forgotten. I was thinking, I knew all three of them were talking about the Bethany one, and they were all at the end, but I'd forgotten until you pointed out uh, that, that, that um, Jesus anointed um, his feet. I mean, his feet were anointed in John, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a sec. But I think the main thing was that I st taking away that story that they portrayed, is that mainly the, is that mainly the story of a... Uh, of a king about to die being anointed, or is it mainly the story of a forgiving savior uh, and a woman who is so grateful? And it seemed obvious to mm. me that it was that. It's almost like we need to record our conversations before the podcast happens so we can like <laughs> you know include them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so that yeah. was kind of the the community group's question is you know mm. so when you're looking at Matthew and Mark and then John that are all pretty apparently the same story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why would John only say that Jesus? His feet were washed, and that his head wasn't anointed. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, my, I have I have two answers. Answer number one is I'll be interested to hear what you guys think because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because I had forgotten that um, mm -hmm. in in going through this, I had forgotten when I looked through all the accounts, I I had forgotten while I was reading the John about about the head until until you brought it up, which I thought was great. That my my norm my second answer would be normally when I see 
two different things being told of the same situation, when you clearly have the same situation, either because, sometimes it's because the names that are mentioned, sometimes the city that's mentioned, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, how he's anointed. You know, there are a number of things that you look at to tell whether you're in one story or the other. Very clear in John that you're talking about in Bethany right before the crucifixion, just by the way the story is told. Um, but normally what I take, if I see John says that his feet were anointed, and that Matthew and Mark, talking about the same instance, say that his head was anointed, I conclude that in all likelihood both were, were, were anointed, mm-hmm. and that um, for Matthew and Mark, the main thing they're focusing on, Matthew especially, uh, being a gospel to the Jews, I'm going to focus on anointing the king and the headly uh, anointing, and, and that would make sense for Matthew. Um, for Mark, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing that he takes away. Um, and, and interestingly, Mark is, is actually a, far more of a source for Matthew than the other way around, mm-hmm. and he was the earlier gospel, So um, uh, even though Matthew was there. Um, and, and in the case of John, I don't know why, if, he, if both his head and his feet were anointed by Mary and Bethany, which is what it looks like when you look at all of them, why he would focus on that one, I don't know, other than the fact that in the very next chapter, about Jesus... Jesus mm-hmm. washed the disciples' feet. We're going to actually look mm-hmm. at that in church this coming week. That'll yeah. be our sermon for this coming week. But mm-hmm. that, I think all those answers make sense to me because I, I have the same interpretation. I'm, I'm fully convinced that Scripture is not going to contradict itself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and so then, therefore, okay, it probably both happened. Jesus' head and feet were anointed. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is why would the writer choose to not omit but emphasize one over the right. other? And mm-hmm. so... John. And, he, and even omit. Yeah. I mean, even that omit. That's, part not, of it that's well. not bad to say that. That's yeah. not saying that, right. con- that that's contradictory. So John, his, in his storytelling, I think, is leading to that story of disciples and Jesus watching feet, which we'll look at next week. And I think Matthew, for example, is really mm-hmm. emphasizing the, the headship and the, and the symbolism of that, of mm-hmm. what does anointing a king look like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's, it's yeah, interesting. I'd, I'd agree with what John said. I mean, you look at you look at John thirteen. His whole point is a feet washing versus a, a total body wash baptism thing, and this idea of walking with the Lord and the fellowship that's happening in the upper room mm-hmm. discourse. You can tell that's John's thematic intent, and his focus is very much on the feet. And so you to, to think, you know, the the short answer is we don't quite know, mm-hmm. and what was going through the author's mind and why the Holy Spirit and the author rectified in this type of situation. Mm-hmm. But you got to imagine it just speaks to the merit of studying as much of the Bible as we can and getting a grander and grander picture of for for Matthew, this was an emphasis. For John, this was an emphasis. Mm-hmm. And again, you go back to the chaos and the awkwardness and the teaching moments of the scene, Jesus is capitalizing on in every little moment that's happening mm-hmm. in his life with other people as witnesses. And so what they choose to gravitate towards mm-hmm. can be pretty cool. You and I and John can leave mm-hmm. this podcast with a different yep. emphasis of yep. encouragement, mm. but no one's going to question one of those mm-hmm. things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's where God matches mm. personality with progress. I don't know, but it's it's cool mm-hmm. to it's cool to study uh, mm-hmm. and read about. Did you just come up with that? God matches personality with progress. I don't. I mean, that, I kind that's of threw it out of nowhere. Okay. So anyway, yeah, um, but docu- it's just it's it's that. so cool to. So cool to study. Um, John, by the way, I just have to say this. I love your outline with all the G's and the gobsmacked. I've never seen the word gobsmacked in a church outline. I love it, man. Yeah, it was the first gobsmack I've ever used. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I haven't had very yeah, many opportunities, yeah. but I've I been figured, waiting for one. I figured, man. That's, yeah, that's so good. 
But Mark, anything else we need to bring up or hit on? Well, I feel like that was the smoothest yeah. 30 minutes we've had in a long time. No, it's but. great. I mean, I love the conversation, and I yeah. like what you ended it with, that hopefully you guys were encouraged by something here, what mm-hmm. we've been talking mm-hmm. about, yeah. and take away something that you can have a greater understanding of who God is and how mm-hmm. to apply it in your life. So yeah. that's the purpose of what why we're here. Um, but just as a part of our church as a mm-hmm. whole of why we're here, you know, to prepare and deploy dependent disciples, and mm-hmm. we want to have an opportunity to grow and connect and serve. Yeah. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to serve this weekend, mm-hmm. Saturday morning. Work day. Um, there's a work day. So there's a it's link. an easy way. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I know there's always times where we call people to serve and you feel like that it's a huge big commitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is an easy one just to well, show. Well, and that one thing about these, these work days, I mean, because we've been having them uh, certainly as long as I've been here. And one of the things that I think is so neat is they're perfect for families to do together. Yeah. Uh, that I haven't heard that mentioned the last two weeks in church. It probably has been in places where I haven't been. But when you think of just getting your kid in there, painting with you or or uh, spreading mulch or doing whatever, it's enjoyable, and they see other kids doing it. And I think every time that mm-hmm. we can um, – I, I remember a book that uh, Mike Lukens introduced to – to uh, Mark and to me in 1999 called Family-Based Youth Ministry by a guy named Mark DeVries. And one of his principles on the basis of a dissertation he had written uh, where he did a longitudinal study on the lives of youth who choose to stick with Christ in the long haul. Mm. Kids who walked Mm. with him in high school Mm. uh, and were part Mm -hmm. of a youth group, he wanted to know what was the number one thing that by the time they're 26 or 27 that they're likely to still be walking and abiding with Christ. And he studied He said he had a bunch of ideas. He studied, I don't remember, 25 or 30 different, well, maybe it's mission trips. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's uh, the quality of Bible study. Maybe it was the intentionality of discipleship. Maybe they had, he had all these things. He came away with one. He said it was so far in the lead so far in the lead that there was no second place. And he said this is true across denominations. It was true from he studied churches under 100 all the way up to 10,000. He said the single thing that had the greatest contributing likelihood of a kid walking with Christ as an adult was if their family intersected with other families in that community of faith, hmm. that specifically adults other than their parents happened to be part of their world. Hmm. And, and what hmm. we loved about that was that community groups yep. often have that opportunity. Yep. And then things like Workday, where, where kids see that some, some gal who knows uh, them as they're doing it was their teacher in sixth grade. And they're out there doing something and she you know, remembers, it. hey, Bethany, catch me up. Tell me what's going on with you. And hmm. we haven't talked in two years. And hmm. you know, just the, that little bit of interconnectedness that something like this, where it's really an opportunity to connect and serve together, yeah. mm-hmm. and that that actually has a weird way of contributing to our overall and growth. conversations happen along the way, yeah. just in passing, yeah. not this like, hey, we're going to have a meeting and discipleship time together, yeah. but we're just going to talk oh, and hang out. And so community groups can serve together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Families can serve together. Um, here's the other, the here, here's the other positive, boys. All right, We talk about a lot of negatives to a big church, but a church this big, you get those kids out there to mulch that much property, <laughs> on the way home you say, now making your bed isn't that bad, is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Get them to paint a church lobby and then ask them to paint their bedroom. But uh, Look at you. should be fun. One without Dude, kids, bringing I, it up. Just, yeah. But I did get rebuked this morning 
as I should. Uh, you, I didn't sign up the link for the workday, so I know okay. some people are just going to show up. That's totally fine. But there is a link for the yeah. workday. Sure. And what's cool about that is you can see the specific tasks and go ahead There's and like sign tasks. up for one. So do it. Um, so that's, it that's out there on, on the, the website. FBCBA.org. It's there. Now, I wasn't planning on saying this, but in that same vein, John, there's another opportunity that we may or may not be aware of. We're hosting the Apple Blossom Prayer Brunch mm -hmm. Ooh, that's um, right. on that Friday of Apple Blossom, April 29th. And there is a sign up for that where whenever we host, we kind of uh, traditionally say, yes, we will provide the volunteers to help pull that off. Mm -hmm. And not many people are aware of it. You might have served in years past, but we haven't hosted it in many years because mm -hmm. of COVID. But we do need help. So there's a link out there. If you're not sure where to go, just find me. I guess I'm the person. Mark Francis is everywhere, bro. Mark F at fbcva.org. Yeah, just do it. That's fine. And I'll point you to the yeah. link because we do need help for that. So that's another good opportunity. Cool. But can I also just plug one other thing as I'll we linger it. on? Mm -hmm. Just make a note that Easter is coming up. Mm -hmm. And we do have Good Friday services. There's two Good Friday services, one in the morning and one later at night. And then we do re-shift, kind of, we, we shift the worship services around mm -hmm. to all accommodate for more people. Mm -hmm. So um, just make note of which service you want to go to. And uh, you don't have to sign up this year. That's a nice right. thing. Oh, don't have to let us know. There's no yeah. safe right. seats. Yeah. You know, so just come, but just yeah. let us know. And uh, so cool. put, put it out there. Go to the website for that. I want to tell you the times. You got to figure it out yourself. <laughs> John, Mark, thank you guys so much for, for being you. here. I appreciate it. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can find us all over the place. Just type in Sermon Spotlight on your favorite podcast feed. We pop right on up. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.